going to be talking about, uh, ah, gee, I don't know, what, what might we talk about today? Uh, money. It's a passage from Luke. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Let's read that again. I, I, that just went by too easy. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the truth and the life-changing power that is in your word, and I pray that the presence of the Holy Spirit would be here to do that very thing in our lives today, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We've been talking about uh, uh, living drenched this year, and last week we started um, um, a, a series that would, about stewardship. And one of the things about stewardship, and especially when it comes to money, one of the things that, that should be interesting to us is uh, in a lot of areas when it comes to stewardship, a lot of the areas, uh, you know, like time and talent and um, our thought life, all, all kinds of things, it's a little subjective as to whether or not, you know, we're really being stewards or not. I, I don't think, well, maybe, maybe somebody does, but I, most people don't, don't keep a, a time log of everything they do during the days and then, and then go back and check, well, how much this did I give to God? You know, and uh, money, on the other hand, is not subjective. It is objective. Bam, it's right there. You can see it. It's kind of, it's kind of cool. I mean, it's a, it, it's, you, don't, you don't have to guess. You know whether or not uh, you're, you're stewarding it and being faithful with it. Uh, the Lord is a jealous God. Eighteen times the scripture tells us that the Lord is a jealous God. And that's, that's quite a few. That's, that's quite a lot. But his jealousy is not like ours. He's not jealous uh, in the way that we're jealous. It's not like, well, I don't want them spending time over there. I want them spending time with me. No, he's, he's not jealous for his sake. He's jealous for our sakes. Because there are a lot of false gods in the world. And, and aside from the, the one true God, um, all other gods are false. But there's only one other master that Jesus mentions as rendering us incapable of serving God. And that master is money. And it's not that God goes, well, I don't want them to give their money there. I want them to give their money to me. No, he, he doesn't need our money. He knows what that master will do to us. Because you see, money is a very cruel master. Now, there is a place for money in our lives, and Proverbs 30 nails it. Give me neither poverty nor riches. 
but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. But money, while it does have its place, money rarely stays in its place. It, it's a little unruly. It has a tendency to get, out of, to get out of bounds in the things that it does. And so Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, and he said, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, as Mario was mentioning earlier. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith, even, and pierced themselves with many griefs. Money seems inanimate, but like, uh, like Mario was saying, it's amoral. It, it doesn't have a, a moral conscience of its own. It, it seems inanimate, but there is a powerful spirit behind it, a very powerful spirit. Money is not a kingdom device. <coughs> it can be used for the kingdom, but it's not a kingdom device. It's a powerful illusion of this world. Money, money is, a, is, a, is a passing illusion. Um, it, uh, it stands for something that's real, but in and of itself, it's virtually worthless. It's a piece of paper, right? It's a piece of paper, or maybe it's a, it's a coin, of some kind that used to be used to be backed by precious metals, and we kind of go, oh, you know, some people go, well, we should still be on the gold standard. Well, you know, I mean, if you're hungry uh, and all you got is gold, you're still hungry because it can't feed you. You can't wear it. You can't you can't hide under it in the rain unless you got an awful lot of it, and then it's pretty heavy. So even that in itself. And now it stands for the full faith and credit of various governments. And it's only worth something because we say it's worth something. That's, that's what it's all about. And besides that, Proverbs tells us that those who trust in riches will fall. Those who trust in riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Uh, Proverbs 25, I believe it is, cast but a glance at riches and they're gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. And that's true. You know, I've gotten to the, I've gotten, uh, to the age where I occasionally find myself wanting to say, back in my day, when I was a kid, yeah, uh, and you know, and I think of those things, and it's 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 amazing. I uh, I remember the first time we bought a house. One of the elders at the chapel uh, was was get was putting one of those back in my day things on me, and uh, and and he was saying, "Yeah, when Mary Nan and I bought our first house, we wondered how in the world we were ever going to make those hundred and nineteen dollar a month house payments." And I went, hundred nineteen dollar a month." That's amazing. I'm having to pay over. I'm having to pay over five hundred dollars a month for a house, and of course, right now, you know that would be pretty amazing when you get right down because it flies away. That's what it does. Those and those who want to get rich. 
fall into a trap because it's an, an illusionary thing that's going to fly away anyway and, and, and make them fall and, and then the many foolish and harmful desires and, that plunge people into ruin and destruction. The, the, it, and that love, that desire, that spirit is the root of all kinds of evil. And, and as Mario was pointing out earlier, you often hear people uh, quoted incorrectly, money's the root of all evil. But uh, it's the love of money, which is the root of all kinds of evil. And uh, the, of course, the thing is that all of us know that none of us love money. Maybe I didn't say that sarcastically enough. You know, all of us know that none of us really love money. I mean, now, we know some people who love money, but it's just not us. We'll get right down to it. Because it's, it's a very deceptive thing. And if that's true, if I don't really love money, then I don't need to be concerned about the influence of money because... You know, it's the love of money that's the root of all kinds of evil. But sometimes we walk in deception. The love of money has been used to do many terrible things. The love of money has, has torn many marriages apart. That's, I, I don't know the numbers. And I really don't know that anybody necessarily knows the numbers. But you know that there have been a lot that have been ripped apart because of Money or the lack of it or the too much of it or the disagreement about it. Money has been used to betray, has been the, the root of betrayal of many friendships. 30 pieces of silver, anybody? Yeah. Uh, my son, Isaac, uh, has, is probably the best baker in the world. Uh, he, uh, he, and he, he's just... Quit his job and started a business, Five Daughters Bakery. Uh, and it's, uh, I'll have to say it's pretty good. It's pretty, yeah, it, it's not just pretty good. I was there yesterday for about 20 minutes with him. And, and during that time, there were two guys walked up at separate times, not guys who were together and went, that's the best thing I've ever eaten, man. Give me another one of those. You know, so I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a good baker. He, he's been looking at, you know, who he, in fact, it's so good that several people have wanted to go into business with him. And uh, some of them were, were close friends of his, and, and I think he's going to go into business with them, and I think that's, that, that's going to work out, and that's going to be good. But here's the deal. How many friendships have been ruined by going into business with each other? Because money oftentimes causes friends to betray one another. Money has oftentimes caused many families to be uprooted and make ill-advised moves because they're chasing the money, not going, okay, God, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to be? And the fabric of the family literally beginning to get pulled apart because we're chasing the dollar. I mean, money has been used so much to create unjust laws. You say, oh, no, well, now that, that was about racism. Listen, when it comes to politics, everything is about money. Everything, when you get right down to it, on the bottom line. Money has been used to create, start wars. 
You know, I don't know how many wars have been started on account of money. I, probably it depends on how many wars there have been. Because I suspect it's pretty close to 100%. Money has been the cause of creation of pollution of the planet. Turning beautiful things into, into ugly things. Money is oftentimes the cause of causing people to ignore worship. I, I, how many times I remember hearing my dad say, you know, well, brother so-and-so used to, start, used, to, used to be faithful, used to be in church all the time. Then he started making a lot of money. And he had other things to do. Other things that were important. Money has created such terms in our, in our, in our uh, language as prostitute, mercenary, exploitation. All of those, there's, there's a, I'm telling you, there's a powerful spirit behind this thing. Money. It's been used to damn the souls of many human beings. Claim many lives. And so... It's a powerful thing, and no wonder Paul writes, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith, have been pierced with many thorny griefs. But then you come to the kingdom. And in the kingdom of God, the economy is very different. I mean, like I say, money can be used to advance the kingdom, and while we're here on this earth, we need to know some stuff about money, but... Uh, you know, when you go to heaven, there are no ATMs in heaven. You get right down to it because you don't need money to buy anything. You don't need it to buy food. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come by and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. How much did manna cost in the wilderness when God fed two million people for 40 years every day? You don't need it to buy clothes because they'll be given to you. Fine linen, right and clean. It's given to her to wear. You don't need it to have a, a place to stay. In my father's house are many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to play, prepare a place for you. And then we'll sign a lease and see how long you're going to stay. No. So that's not part of the, of, of the kingdom economy. The Pharisees who loved money heard all of this and they sneered at Jesus. And some, probably not in the early service because early service people are just too faithful. But I'm sure in the second service, there'll be some who'll be sitting there just kind of sneering already because, well, that's what I expected. We went to church. You're going to talk about money. Yep. Come on, man. Be careful. Psalm 1-1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners take or set in the company of mockers. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Um, In in, in Acts, the apostles went... And uh, as, as they were laying on hands on people and they were receiving the Holy Spirit, there was a, there was a guy named Simon who was there who was a, 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 a sorcerer. And he, had, and he had been amazed at what could be done and he had uh, gotten converted apparently. And when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. And he said, give me this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. 
Everyone who sends in $1,000 will be healed. Everyone who, who, who provides money to keep this thing going, God's going to do something special for you. And Peter answered, may your money perish with you. And that's a very nice way of saying what Peter really meant. Because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. It's not really that. Try buying eternal life. The psalmist says, no one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough. And so, if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches, eternal life, healing, success, God himself, light, love? What's the price tag on these things? So is there a place for money in, in, in the Christian life? Well, of course there is. But, but it isn't the unhealthy level of greed <clears throat> that has crept into a lot of Christian teaching, a lot of church teaching. I don't want to call it Christian teaching, quite frankly, because I don't think it is. While money itself is an illusion, it, it represents your life because you spent your time you spent your effort, you spent your talent on this, well, I was going to say, you know, I actually did, you know, of all the days, I did, wait a minute, I do have a dollar. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, of all the days, I didn't bring any cash, but I, but I always bring cash for that. Uh, but you spent your time, your effort, your time. So this represents your life. And in that sense, in that sense, it is important and, and it's important it's important what you do with it. God gives us a tremendous amount of instruction on this topic. I, I told Margaret several times this week, the whole problem with, this, with, with trying to teach on this is not finding something to teach on. I, it's finding what to leave out. Uh, uh, God gives so much instruction on it. And the reason he gives so much instruction is because it is such a powerful master that can render us incapable of truly worshiping him. It is such a, a powerful force that can wreck destruction in our lives. And so he, he spends a lot of time telling us the things to do with it. Uh, but the most important thing we covered last week, and that is the fact that we are stewards. You don't actually own anything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Kevin was telling me he and, he and uh, 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 Sherry were, were you at Fall Creek Falls? Is that where you were? Yeah, they were at Fall Creek Falls yesterday and Sherry was going along picking up paper and stuff. And Kevin was going, why is she doing that? Well, you know, women are just more sensitive to the things of the spirit than we are. And he finally realized, oh, wait a minute, yes, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That's why she's doing it. She's cleaning up her father's house. So we are stewards. And if we do not keep that fact constantly in sight, we find ourselves serving the cruel master and not even aware of it. Not even aware of it at all. And that's why God has given us the tithe. The tithe is to protect us. Protect us from the 
destructive grip of money because God knows if he can get us to just take a portion and go, this isn't mine, then we're going to be in a lot better shape to handle the rest of it. And the grip that it has on us will be broken. Will be broken. Well, what is it? Well, it's, it's 10%. Uh, <clears throat> that, that's what it is. 10, 10%. So it's, a, it's $10 out of 100. It's uh, $1 out of 10. It's 10 cents out of a dollar. It's 1,000 out of 10,000. It, it, it's, it's 10%. It's what it is. And it's first mentioned, not in the law of Moses. You know, there are people who will go, well, I thought we weren't under the law anymore. Well, this isn't about the law. I mean, Moses codified some things, yeah. But it's not under the law. It's first mentioned when Abraham met Melchizedek. Abraham had gone and, and, he, and he fought against the kings and he won. And God gave him a, a, a great victory. And he came back in Genesis, I believe it's 14. Is it Genesis 14? Yeah, Genesis 14. He came back and he met this mysterious figure, Melchizedek. And Melchizedek blessed him which means he was greater than Abraham. And Melchizedek brought bread and wine, which was an interesting thing for him to, him to bring to him. And it says that Abram gave him a tenth of everything. That's where, the, that's where the tithe started. Now, you say, well, that's Old Testament. The New Testament tells us that Abraham is the father of everyone who believes. And it tells us that Melchizedek is a type of Christ. Not of Moses, not of the law. Where tithing is first mentioned, two of the greatest types of, of our faith are both present and brought into, into play. So the tithe didn't come from the law. And it's last mentioned by Jesus himself. I think Mario mentioned this verse last week. Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. Period. That's the end. We don't want to talk about anything else. But Jesus did. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. He said, I didn't come here to, I didn't come here to keep you from doing that. I'm not telling you you, don't have, you shouldn't do that. I'm telling you, you should do it, but you, you should be more concerned about, you should also be concerned about uh, justice and the love of God. In fact, those things should lead you to justice and the love of God. Well, people go, okay, well, what, all right, maybe, maybe I should tithe. What, this is the eternal question, gross or net. There's no such thing as net. Actually, quite frankly, but let, let's look at it this way. Let's say you work 40 hours a week and you're making $15 an hour. That's 600 bucks. Is my, is my math correct there? I won the math medal in high school, people. I'm, I'm just asking, is my math correct there? Okay, take my word for it then. Uh, but $600 after taxes and FICA and Medicare and health and all that uh, maybe maybe you get maybe you take 440 home okay that's your net well when somebody says how much money do you make do you tell them i make 15 dollars an hour or do you say i make 11 dollars an hour which one did you actually make just said you know just just saying things don't sneer at me 
You know, some people say, well, you know, should I tithe on like my tax refund and everything? Oh, let's get technical. I'm just glad you're even thinking about it. If in fact you are thinking about it, you're probably thinking, why did I go to church today? But if you're tithing on your net, then dead gum right, you better tithe on your tax refund. But if you're tithing on your, on your gross, that's up to you. I mean, I do it. I want the blessing. But, you know, uh, technically you've already covered it. That's money. It's money you've already tithed on. What, however, however you want to look at it. See, the tithe makes the rest holy to the Lord. Paul says if, 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 the, if the first part of the loaf is dedicated to God, then the whole loaf is now dedicated to God. If the first part's been given to God, then everything now becomes holy to him. We only have a net because, and, and as opposed to gross, because Caesar takes his part out first without asking you. Because he knows if he doesn't, then you'll spend it on something else and won't have it. God doesn't do that because God doesn't manipulate us. But he says, you should put me first. Put me first. Put, put, put me in first place. And then things start to work right. I, and I'm, I'm not going to go into all the things about first fruits and stuff like that. But I, I can tell you this. 90% after the tithe will always go farther than 100% before the tithe. It just will. So that doesn't make any sense. That's crazy. So is the resurrection of the dead. So is the fact that if you just believe on a man who died on the cross for your sins, then your sins will be covered. That's crazy. But it's true. And I'm telling you, I mean, I've experienced it in my life. I, I, I see it in so many other people's lives. 90% after you've put God first always goes farther than 100% before that. Say, well, how, you know, how can that work? Well, there are a couple of ways that it could work. Malachi 3, 8, 11. You knew I was going to go there at some point in time. But, uh, or as uh, Mario's family is fond of calling him, Malachi. <laughs> Little mere mortal rob God. <laughs> Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and in offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. It may not be a check in the mail, but I will pour out blessings that there will not be room enough to store it because money is not what makes you happy. Money is not what gives you a, a satisfactory, substantial, meaningful life anyway. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their, their, their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. You mean if I tithe, my car will never break down? No, I don't mean that, but I mean it'll work out. It'll, it'll, it'll work out. Hey, guy, one eight. Hey, guys, talking to the people because they weren't, they, they were letting the temple of the Lord just kind of lay there with its foundations. He said, you expected much. 
But see, it turned out to be very little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? Declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. You didn't put me first. The tithe causes you to put God first. And it guards you against unfaithfulness. It, it breaks the grip of money in your life. See, if you start putting God first, then you begin to kind of look at things and you, and you might not necessarily buy that, that car that you can't afford. You might not necessarily feel like you've got to have uh, you know, the 70-inch flat screen rather than the 55-inch flat screen. It, you know, it, it begins to break the grip that money has on our lives. And so... You need to budget. Now, you need to budget in part because that's what being a good steward of the money that God has entrusted you is with this. See, God says, if, if you're not, you know, who, who's going to trust you with real riches if you're not trustworthy with what's up? And if you're not budgeting, you don't have any idea what you're doing with God's money. It's not yours in the first place. It's his. And you're not looking out for it. So it's important to budget. It's, it, it's, it's important to, you know, to know where it's going, to, to, to know what's going on. And there are just some, but when it comes to the tithe, you put it first and there are just some things that you just, you, you know, there are some things you count the cost on. There are some things you don't count the cost on. There are some things you know this has to be done. Don't ever sit down and figure out what it costs you to have your, to raise your kids. You can't take them back anyway. You will not get a refund on any, on, any, on any of the money. But you know what? doesn't matter what it costs you to have them. You have them. You raise them. You love them. And, and, you, and you may say, well, my kids didn't turn out too well. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. You can't put a price tag on that at all. Don't ever think about what you could do if I just didn't tithe. I could get the 70 inch rather than the 55 inch if I don't put it, you know, if, if, if I put the tithe off till next week or next month, that's a dangerous place to walk. It's a dangerous place to be in. Put God first. Don't, don't even think of, put him first. Put him first. Because Jesus says, if you'll seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things will be given to you. And you know what the things were that he was talking about? Food, clothing, shelter, all the things that you need. That, that is specifically what he was talking about. Tithing is part of my heritage. It's, it's never been hard for me. So, well, you're a pastor. Well, there were many years that I was in church that I wasn't a pastor, okay? Tithing's never been hard for me because it was part of the, the heritage that was passed down to me by my parents. And, and, and it was, it was it's, you know, I, I'm thankful for it in so many ways. My parents never had a lot. They always tithed. My dad had an eighth grade education. And I don't know, you know, well, he, he was always bivocational as a pastor. And at, at 35 bucks a week, you needed to be bivocational. Uh, but he never had a job where he made a lot of money outside of that. My mom, uh, 
when she was 36, uh, that was the first time, well, it wasn't the first time that she went to work, but it was when, that was when she was able to actually take a, on a full-time job um, uh, because I, was, I started school then, uh, and she uh, was, a, was a school teacher in Sumner County. She made 150 bucks a month, so she was really raking it in. Uh, and, and basically throughout her entire life, both of their entire lives, you know, they never, they never, you never saw where a lot of money was coming from. But they tithed their entire lives. I know that. And in their old age, they had everything they needed. They had a house. They never had to worry about where food was coming from. They never had to worry, how are we going to pay this bill? They had people around them who loved them. And it wasn't because, you know, people were giving them money. They, it was just, they had. They had. I, it, this works. You know, if you, if you want to, uh, you know, if Scripture's not enough, let me just tell you, testimony-wise, this works. Uh, this isn't about, oh, we need more money here at the church, so please give us money. No, it's, it's about your life. This works. Not just in terms of, make, of, of breaking the grip of destructive grip that money has on you, but in terms of providing for you. This works. I'm not saying you're going to get rich, but you'll be rich toward God. And that's very rich indeed. When Jesus was teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, he, uh, he said all of those things, and he was, and in particular about seeking first the kingdom, and don't worry, God's going to provide all these things. And he ended up telling a story. He told a story of two guys who built houses. And one of them built their house on the sand. And when the storms came, and if, you've, and if you've lived in this world at all, you know storms come, the house was destroyed. And another guy built his house on the rock. And when the storms came, the house stood. And Jesus said, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on a rock. Everyone who puts their trust in riches will fall. If you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? But if you are, if you're faithful in the small things, he'll not only take care of all the big things and the small things, he'll give you some big things too. Would you stand with me? If you can trust him with your soul, you can trust him with your bank account. Those who are going to pray for people, come forward at this time. And if you're here today and you need, to, you need prayer for anything, <clears throat> health issue, financial issue, perhaps especially a financial issue, family, work, you don't know Christ introduce you to him just just come in fact this would probably be a very good day 
come. And you know what? I know that I know that tithing is not easy for a lot of people. And you know, and there, and there may be some people here feeling under guilt and under condemnation. I don't want you to feel under guilt or condemnation. Uh, you know, I, not at all. And God doesn't either. It might be appropriate to come and go. You know what? I'm having. I, I need help in this area. I'm having problems in this area. You know, whatever you need, you, you come. We'll worship for a few moments. If you don't need to come, pray with us. I mean, worship with us and create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can work in those who are coming. this money God's gonna do this is because you're not supposed to give because God's gonna do this you're supposed to give because you love God and when you love God God does stuff opens up your life for that and the other thing is this is about living drenched I just want you to be able to live drenched to have that rich life in God raise your hand let me give you a blessing May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who owns the earth and everything in it, who created you, and who knows what you really need, 
May he give you a hunger for the things that are real. And may he break the power of the things that are illusions in your life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord.